1: A few weeks ago, Belarus shocked the world when it forced a commercial flight from Athens to Vilnius to land and seized two passengers, one a dissident journalist. But that outrage was only the most recent affront to international law and accepted state behavior by Belarusian autocrat Alexander Lukashenko, and more importantly, his patron Russia's Vladimir Putin. For years, Putin has increased pressure on the countries along its border, cyber attacks on Estonia and Ukraine war with Georgia and then Ukraine, the seizure of Crimea, constant air and naval border violations, as well as aggressive disinformation campaign aimed at many countries, but in particular, the Baltic countries. Lithuania is a frontline state in the growing confrontation between East and West. In this episode of New Thinking for a New World, we'll explore what Putin and Lukashenko want and what leaders and people of Lithuania, as well as their allies, can and should be doing. My guests are Dalia Bankowskite, a defense and security expert at Vilnius University, and Marius Lornavichus, a journalist and analyst at the Vilnius Policy Institute. Welcome, Dalia and Marius.
2: Good afternoon. Hello.
1: Lithuania's prime minister recently described the Belarus incident as an attack on the EU. Her interior minister said that a hybrid war was being waged against Lithuania. And your president has warned that Lithuania could become another Crimea. Those are incredible statements to someone sitting safely thousands of miles away from you. Do you agree with them? Is war, hybrid or otherwise, actually possible? Are we already there, as as some would suggest? How bad is it? Well, from my perspective,
3: um, I would talk not just about the Baltic states. I I would talk about the war which is waged against uh, all the West including United States, and uh, this is the main uh, thing I, I want to convey. It's not just about Ukraine, it's not just about uh, Baltic States, it's not just about Europe, it's mainly, and I would like to stress it, it's mainly against United States. If we talk about Russia, particularly, uh, let's leave uh, Belarus for for a moment, but if we talk about Russia, the main opponent or adversary, uh, it's a main enemy of uh, Russian mafia regime, is United States. And uh, what they do in our countries, in the Baltic States, uh, later, sooner or later, you will see in the United
1: States. Dolly, what do you think? Uh,
2: to follow up uh, uh, Mario's uh, Maru's, uh, thoughts, uh, uh, I fully agree, Lithuania is a a small country and Russia is playing a power game, so they are addressing big states, uh, superpowers, like uh, United States. Lithuania, although a millennium-old state, is a neighborhood to Russia for a millennium, for thousands of years. And the history of those two countries, the history of neighbourhood, unfortunately, leaves very little for Lithuania to trust its neighbour, Russia. Russia, and now we have to talk also about Belarus, because we, when we say Belarus, we immediately think about union of states, and especially, and moreover, the union of uh, uh, military union of uh, those two countries, Belarus and Russia.
1: We have just had a NATO summit. We've just had a series of summits as President Biden made his first trip to Europe. Certainly the rhetoric coming out of those meetings does not match the situation you just described. Do you think people in Brussels, in Berlin, in Paris, but most of all in Washington, understand the threat that you have just described in the same terms?
3: Um, I'm afraid that uh, people in the United States and even in Europe, uh, uh, most of them, are, and mostly politicians. I'm not talking about people from the security services, from 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 this kind of, or from uh, some of the think tanks, and and and. and uh, but I'm, I'm talking about politicians uh, because uh, what I uh, tried to say uh, previously that. It's not just about Baltic States, it's not just about Ukraine, it's not just about Europe as such. Uh, this message is not fully understood in the in, in United States, uh, unfortunately. Uh, it's not fully understood in, in let's say, in Germany. These uh, people are, who are, are trying to uh, support, let's say, uh, this project of North Stream 2 uh, pipeline, they don't uh, understand that uh, this mafia regime, because it's, it's really, uh, uh, when we talk about Russia, uh, it's not just about a, a normal so-called normal uh, authoritarian state, it's a mafia state. And uh, this mafia state with such kind of projects, this mafia state comes to uh, other countries like Germany or or any other country. And uh, this uh, part of the problem that we are, are, what we are facing, the the main question is what we're facing. And this part of the problem is not fully at least fully understood in
1: the West. what's amazing about that to me and i suspect to both of you is that there have been a whole series of behaviors over the last 20 years that are increasingly aggressive that violate international law that throw aside international dorms and that is both internally and externally uh yet we seem more willing in the west to whistle past the graveyard than to actually acknowledge what's going on Uh, i would point out dahlia even the most recent the Protasevich issue yes the media looked at it for a few days and yes every time they paraded him before the cameras we had outrage in air quotes Uh, but no action or no real action out of either the Europeans or the Americans. Am I being too harsh? Are we, are we, or are we just being collectively too stupid? What, how do you explain the fact that we don't seem, and by we, I mean, the Europeans in general, the Americans in particular, don't seem to recognize the behavior of what Marius has called a mafia state.
2: It's uh, it's a huge question, <laughs> and uh, and and it's uh, on the other hand the answers that I could produce is uh, uh, it's perceptions, it's perceptions uh, of human beings. Politicians are also uh, uh, human beings with their value system, with their life experience and perceptions, and the perceptions of threats is uh, really differs across Europe and the United States, combined with their daily life, with their collective memory or daily experience, as well as just interest. Uh, The liberal democracy, the Western world, really has uh, enjoyed uh, the luxury of peace, for living in peace and uh, in the welfare states for quite a while. And it's to some extent, it's also laziness and cynicism, since it is not in your courtyard, not to question, not to be lack of understanding the other situation, as well as disability or laziness to think in a geopolitical uh, terms. Because uh, what we have next door, and this is what we talk about again, I want to come back to Russia and, uh, and Belarus, that uh, we have next door uh, the signals of uh, that uh, they, those two countries are ready to act together, wrapped in a very rapid way as they did with hijacking the the air flight, or in uh, previous measures, or how Lukashenko is uh, was uh, slaughtering their, uh, his own people and torturing its own society. They are also ready, uh, ready to be united military. There are air bases for Russia in Belarus. Zapad is in September, very soon, and the ground for exercises is also next door. So I think that the West is to some extent, uh, getting lazy don't want to get more troubles so they switch to, to they limit themselves to this uh, deep concern uh as i call it street noise this political uh rhetoric of uh, of deep concern which is street noise that we no longer uh, uh listen or hear i both uh, belarus and russia either do, does not uh, uh, ignores that and ventures uh, uh, adventures further so i would call really the really the western uh, world to agree upon the threats and prioritize threats and be really very serious and responsible it's not only real politics it's also uh, it's also about uh, about uh, the values, uh, uh, the morale in politics, which is matter and which is important now if <laughs> yeah, that's that's my answer. That's my thoughts.
1: to follow up on that, the question is, and you can t- take it in either direction, what do Putin and Lukashenko want, or what do you think they might do next since they clearly Live in a world where they're playing by different rules than the rest of us, quite successfully, by the way. Oh,
3: uh, well, uh, I would suggest to put it into very simple uh, terms: uh, Putin and Lukashenko are two criminals who are uh, with criminal regimes behind them, and uh, we are told. Uh, that let's say uh, the latest from the President Biden uh, is that we don't want any confrontation with Russia. So that means that we yes yes we know that we have uh, because Biden himself he told that uh, Putin, Putin is a killer and uh, he so he recognizes that uh, Putin is a killer but he don't want a confrontation with the killer. So that is the main problem. We, uh, we admit uh, some simple things. We don't want to talk about uh, these things, uh, ext- at least extensively, because the, the main thing is to understand what we face. And even when we admit, uh, we, uh, we say, okay, Uh, Let's cooperate with uh, a killer. Let's cooperate with uh, a criminal. Uh, At least in these uh, uh, fields, uh, we can cooperate. So how can you cooperate with a killer? How can you cooperate with uh, a criminal as such? How can you cooperate with terrorists? Because these regimes, uh, uh, I, I have... I don't have any distinction between uh, uh, Putin's regime and, and Lukashenko's regime in Belarus. So these uh, regimes are even uh, the same as uh, terrorists. Uh, let's imagine what uh, would have happened if a weapon of mass destruction would be used, would have been used uh, by, uh, by terrorists. And that have been done by Putin, and not in Russia, in, in United Kingdom, in NATO country, I'm fully uh, convinced that in case any other terrorist would use uh, weapons of mass destruction, we would have the other war on terror. Now, we don't have anything like that. We, we don't want to admit that. We don't want to do anything with that.
1: That's the problem. So the clear implication of what you both have just said is we ought to expect more of this behavior in the next months and perhaps years.
3: If you let any criminal to uh, commit a crime and uh, you wouldn't, push, uh, w- w- wouldn't punish him for, or her for, for, for that, you will get the next crime. And the next crime will be more serious than the previous one. So that is absolutely the same situation. As long as we will not punish them and uh, not only punish, but stop them, they will commit other crimes. And any other, uh, any next crime will be uh, even more severe than the previous
1: one.
2: Agatha Christie actually (laughs) confirmed or repeated in her stories, detective stories, that criminals commit crimes because they are sure that they are not going to be punished. So it's like the answer.
1: (laughs) Which in geopolitical terms would tell us that, yes, this constant uh, messing around in your countries, um, your countries being the Baltics, all along their border, They clearly want to sustain this chaos uh, that is somehow in their interest because no one's going to stop them. We've
3: seen that with uh, uh, just just some two months ago when uh, Russian troops were uh, massively deployed on the border with Ukraine. So that was not a game. Uh, Of course, uh, this time uh, it uh, didn't. it went, uh, didn't want to do to, to, to any uh, full-scale uh, aggression, but uh, at the same time, it's, uh, uh, it's uh, not a game. Uh, what they do, uh, they do on purpose. And uh, uh, we know that uh, what uh, they have done in Georgia, what they have done in, in, in Ukraine, uh, in, in Syria, in other countries, so, uh, what is uh, a reason not to think uh, that they can repeat anything, as, 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 as we know, and even go further because, uh, as, as we already discussed, uh, the next crime will be more severe than the previous one. So, uh, we can't exclude anything, just anything.
0: If you feel that the world lacks global leaders, please help support the Talberg Foundation programs. Individual donations are being accepted at talbergfoundation.org donate. That's T-A-L-L-B-E-R-G foundation.org donate.
1: Dalia, there are reports recently of increased number of migrants being pushed towards Lithuania uh, through Belarus the weaponization of migration is something we've seen in the southeastern part of Europe. Is that happening, in fact, in uh, on your border? Uh,
2: absolutely correct. Uh, the, what we observe, it's a flood of uh, illegal migration or illegal migrants uh, crossing uh, Lithuania and Belarus border. This is a 600 kilometers long uh, border, NATO and EU border with uh, with Belarus. And weaponization is uh, straightforward since uh, uh, since migrants come from uh, Syria, from uh, Iraq, Iran, uh, from Northern Africa, and moreover, it's also smuggling tobacco and smuggling drugs. So it's not only illegal migrants that uh, later on they try to. Uh, to, to disappear, to get lost in, uh, in Europe, but it's also the increased flow of, uh, of drugs uh, to the European Union and uh, to the West. As you know, drugs, uh, there are routes of drugs from Afghanistan crossing Russia to, to the West, uh, to Europe, as well as there are uh, drug routes from Venezuela. And uh, the crossroad is uh, Russia's territory. So now this border is used uh, is used as a tool for, for exercising for attacking, actually attacking not only Lithuania but also all European space. Uh, c- coming back, I wanted to also to make a point about risk threshold. Uh, uh, we talk about uh, deterrence or uh, and uh, and defense, and it's so important that Russia's risk threshold is very high. It means that they venture into the areas where they really calculate and see no response. And only then, they're excellent in calculating, and only then they venture. Uh, we can talk about Crimea, seizing Crimea, or war against Georgia, or in Syria. They came as the winners, And there was no response, so they venture further. And since we talk about Russia, Belarus state, and the same action. So that's the pattern. Risk, risk, very high risk uh, threshold. If there's no idea, response, they will venture further. Another thing is I think I would invite to, talk, uh, to think a little bit strategically. And even if the United States are really focused, they're moving their focus to China and China's United States relationship, it's an opportunity for Russia because since there's no response, so we know from the history, no country can win a war running two fronts. Second World War, the closest one. So if United States keep its total focus only on on China, and we know that Russia-China's relationship is rationally good because it's beneficial for both. How can we deny that Russia will venture and take this opportunity to attack in different conventional and non-conventional ways the the Western world? Lithuania, Baltic states, Poland is the front line.
1: Uh, That is very logical. You're certainly right. But we did just see the recent NATO summit, which focused more on China than Russia, apparently, uh, which was clearly uh, the American preference. Uh, It diluted the attention paid to Russia, uh, and I'm sure that reflected the European desire to pretend that they don't live next to a mafia state, that they can have Nord Stream 2, and they can have better relations, and they can reduce their military spending as we're seeing proposals in Germany and elsewhere. Marius, does that scare you? Does it scare you that you're hearing exactly the wrong signals from your point of view out of these leaders, uh, out of these summits?
3: Well, uh, to tell the truth, I'm not scared. Uh, Firstly, I would say uh, I would slightly disagree with you about about NATO summit. from my perspective, uh, how I read it, uh, uh, that uh, at least uh, even we can count even mentioning of Russia uh, and China, and we will see that uh, Russia have been mentioned uh, much more times than, than than China. Of course, China is is emerging threat, and uh, I agree, I, I fully agree uh, with uh, other people in the West. That China's threat is uh, not uh, less, at least not less serious, even uh, for such countries like Lithuania. Uh, it might sound strange, but I would say that at least in, in uh, a long-term perspective, uh, China's threat uh, for even for Lithuania or for Baltic countries uh, is even bigger than Russian threat. Uh, the problem is that uh, we. As a West, uh, as a as a collective West, we can't uh, see the whole picture, because it's not just uh, just Russia, just uh, Belarus, uh, just uh, China, just Iran, uh, or just uh, Russia and China. Or we, we see small picture, uh, small parts of, of, of the big picture. And we don't see that it's a war against uh, w- the West like a uh, uh, democratic society. Uh, I will put it in, in, even in uh, similar terms, like Huntington did. Uh, it's a clash of civilization. And uh, the threat we face is from uh, authoritarian uh, regimes which aim to uh, conquer and I will use this term just to conquer democracy and destroy democracy as such with all the western world. So it doesn't matter if it's Russia or if it's China or if it's Iran, it's uh, the threat against all of us and we should do something together uh, to secure ourselves
1: from uh, all these complex complex threats. I couldn't agree more, but it raises the obvious question, why are we, and by we I mean the West generally, so bad at strategic thinking, so unable to take a long view and work it back in practical terms, so unwilling to defend democratic values as it appears to be the case,
2: It's a a tough. It's a very serious question, and uh, it's a a fundamental question about uh, values, morale in politics, and about the the perception of the world. It's really the time, we live the time when the question is about leadership, whether the Western values, liberal democracy prevails. or or autocratic regimes. So far, autocratic regimes, currently autocratic regimes lead, unfortunately. Do we perceive that? Do we agree? Do we really have an agreement upon the threats? We use a lot of this rhetoric, uh, as I call it, really street noise, it's uh, it's just street noise. Uh, And we don't do, do, we don't take action. I remember I was participating at some tabletop exercises and uh, there were many issues raised, but the only thing what I saw that we, how comes that the liberal democracy having all these conditions and time living in peace failed to develop political elite and leadership. We do not groom, we do not groom our citizens as leaders. We really we know we know what's wrong or bad, but we don't have this uh, consolidated uh, uh, approach. Uh, now, having said that, it would be wrong only to describe the problem, to admire the problem. Then we won't be different. It's also it's important to see what should be done, proactively done. So the current leaders are smart people. I would really think about uh, allowing to lead more more leadership more and a quick understanding uh, taking the leadership and be aware that the threats are really next door it's 600 kilometers uh, uh, long uh, border and uh, and we have two weeks ago we had the aircraft just hijacked just for just like this and uh, and no action should be taken isn't it cynical uh, then, because that could be lost very soon. So so agreement on threats and really rapid reaction. There are so much of uh, experience inside, in the in the frontline countries. Uh, why not to take this experience from the Baltic States, from Poland, from Visegrad countries? Why not to engage it and really empower, even if these countries are so small in comparison to, to big powers? But sometimes they talk matter. They talk business. So I would really encourage uh, to endorse to to take advantage of the experience that is uh, that we have as uh, as countries. Up. Listen to us. <laughs> you know, it's we have the saying: it's better to be an hour before the departure of the train, then five minutes after the departure of the train. So listen to the ball, to the Baltic states, to the front line, eastern front
3: line.
1: Being on the front line does focus your mind. Uh, Marius, what should be done? Who should do what? Well,
3: uh, just a quick follow-up on, on what uh, just Dalia said. Uh, just directly to your question, uh, I, I'm fully convinced that uh, a part of the problem is our mentality and uh, our post-modern uh, modern society, uh, which, in which we are used already to think in this uh, win-win formula. And the problem is that the other side, I mean, these authoritarian regimes, they simply don't accept this formula. Win-win situation for uh, these authoritarian regimes doesn't work. They don't accept that it's even possible. They uh, think, and this is really about thinking, about, about the mentality, uh, they think that uh, in these uh, zero-sum game uh, categories, and they think as, far, as long as they win, we should lose. So we are at war, and we don't want to accept it. And the, the first thing, if, we need, if, if you want to win a war, you need to accept that you are at war. And this is, uh, comes against our mentality. We don't want to be at war. We don't want to accept that we are at war, and that's the main problem if we uh, now i i i will go to 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 your uh, second uh, follow up question and and will try to answer this so the first thing is to accept uh what we have in what situation we are and uh what we face if we uh we will accept that we will have uh many many uh well tools to achieve our goals. And there, uh, again, I will slightly disagree with what you said previously about uh, the situation with Belarus, because from my perspective, it is uh, the first situation when, uh, of course, it's not enough, but when uh, the West, as as a collective West, uh, especially uh, European Union, made something, at least something. It wasn't just a deep concern. Uh, We agreed not to allow uh, uh, Belarusian uh, planes to our airspace. We closed, we simply closed uh, for our airplanes, uh, Belarusian uh, airspace. Uh, We are talking on real sanctions. I mean, uh, uh, these real sanctions, not just just personal sanctions. Uh, so, uh, we,
1: do, we already do something. yeah. where do we go next? How do we get people to recognize, if you agree with Marius, that we are at war?
2: We are. Uh, uh, definitely, we are at war. And we, if we agree that it's not only conventional war, although we can quote cases of conventional war attacks as well but we talk about also intangible hybrid uh, hybrid wars. Definitely, we have at war, we are in confrontation. Uh, Acknowledgement that we are being realistic and understanding the situation is just the first crisis management condition. The second thing is also uh, action plan and understanding your opponent, its mindset, its ability of the West and of the United States not only be capable of listening to your opponent or even partner, but listening to and able to hear, not only think and ins- uh, think that you listen and understand and not to project your perception and expect that these your, your, your opponents would think or behave the way you project, but really understand. And uh, this is where I come back to, again to my part of the world, to my region. I, I follow Russia, I follow Belarus, and from the military point of view, we can see the signs of Sparta. It's like experience when you have a permanent military and permanent fully functioning military all the time. They are living in the war conditions and they are thinking as if always staying in war. And as soon as we understand this mindset it's neither good nor bad this is the way they think their security and their safety is achieved guaranteed at the expense of others uh, security and safety as soon as you understand that mindset you would perhaps then come to certain conclusions and your perception of threats and the management and measures to cope with these threats would be slightly different just uh, rather and ensuring and then reaching the uh, the utmost goal for the west stability and predictability in relations globally internationally
1: thank you very much dalia thank you very much marius uh, hopefully this conversation will stimulate some conversation uh, because i think as you've both pointed out uh, we need not just some real politique, we need some real understanding of the facts on the ground and a willingness to accept and confront them. Thank you both. Thank you.
0: Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Please rate our show on Apple Podcast and subscribe. Meanwhile, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or you can subscribe to our newsletter at talbergfoundation.org to learn more about our work. That's T-A-L-L-B-E-R-G foundation.org. Thank you, and we'll be back again next week for another episode of Talberg's New Thinking for a New World. This podcast was brought to you through the generous support of SNF, the Stavros Nyarkos Foundation.